listening to the New Century Multiverse, The Princess Thieves. Chapter 18. Goodbyes. Two days left. When they finally left, Scarlet was in no doubt that there was someone nearby keeping an eye on her establishment. So she waited until the lunchtime rush to smuggle the disguised thieves out of the door and across to her wool and cloth factory. We shan't be bringing you back there again, Your Highness. This will be one of your final ports of call. Gwendolyn had been trembling with anger and confusion and doubt for hours now, and walking was what put her back on firm footing, as it were. My first order of business as Empress will be to fire that captain. He's beyond vile. Well, I could have told you that. In fact, I believe I have. The way he treats people... I had no idea things were this hard. I'm so sorry, Scarlet. It's why we do what we do. Scarlet walked them calmly and quietly through the sunlit factory, up and down several stories of workers, beavering away at the spooling and weaving machines. It wasn't the least bit fun, but Scarlet did at least take pride in her safety record. She told Gwen of how other employees drove their workers like a combination of livestock and machine outlining the double standards in pay grade between female and male, adult and child, and the storied species. But here, human, dwarf, and akka, male and female alike, and of every age, were treated equally. This was, she vouched, a trend she was hoping would catch on. Gwendolyn stooped to pet a tabby cat that was making its way through the bales of wool, hunting mice, no doubt. Crouching down there, the princess spotted some workers watching the tour party with interest, and before she knew what she was doing, her hand was up and waving gracefully at them. It was what happened ten or twelve times a year whenever they went shopping and her carriage rolled through the pretty and grandiose streets of Knightsbridge. Muscle memory jump-started conventional memory, which immediately formulated into the makings of a plan. I've had an idea. I believe we're all still recovering from your last one of those. And the one before that. And the one before that. And the one before that. Viola, this concerns you. It certainly does. No, I mean you have to take a part in this. You know how I get you to pay guards like Simon to fight me? Yes? Well, why don't we just sneak back into the palace, say it was all a game and nobody kidnapped either of us, then you get me 2,000 gold and we'll sneak it out to Robin and Mortimer. Viola's face fell. I'm afraid that's not going to be possible, Gwen. The amounts I deal with are just... golds and silvers. I can get the bursary staff to alter the pay grades of the guards a little. 
And you've seen the paperwork I have to fill out for that. But what about when I go shopping? It's a different place. Everything has to be accounted for. Yes, but if we're clever, we could move small amounts around where they won't be noticed. See? I'm getting good at this skullduggery. We don't have time. When did you need this contract? Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, well... Mortimer, can you lend them a thousand? No, I bloody can't. Can't or won't? Pick one. Oh, God, there are so many things that can go wrong with this. Believe it or not, these are better odds than we usually face. Although there have been quite a few unforeseen complications. His hand brushed against hers as he gestured. All right, I'm ready. Take me back to the palace. Right. There's just one more thing we have to do. Scarlet, could you take Ajax back to the Thirsty Hog, please? The Archer nodded and departed, Ajax following. He turned before he left the factory and raised his enormous green hand to Viola. She looked a little stunned and raised her hand in response. Robin led them through the back alleys to a safe house he believed to be secure and ushered them up to the attic bedroom. All aside from Mortimer, who was asked firmly to stand in the kitchen and keep watch. What's going on? Are we not taking her back yet? Can you wait here for a bit, old boy? What? I just need a word with the lady, if you know what I mean. Oh, God. Fine. He turned his back and gazed out of the skylight. Robin nodded to Viola and left the room with Gwendolyn, who was glancing behind her with worry, her hand trembling in his. Oberon tasted lavender and turned in surprise as a hard sleep spell hit him square in the face. He tumbled to the ground and Viola ran to check him. He was groaning, so she gently pressed her fingers to his temple and whispered several words. Sorry. The sleep became deeper, and Viola began to shake with the onset of weakness. Rest, my friend. A minute later, she limped from the room, closing the door behind her. Well, he's down. Took a lot out of me. But it's powerful. Should be out for about, about ten hours. Thank you. You two planned this? Listen, do you trust Mortimer? Not in the slightest. Well, if she double-crosses us, I don't want him to suffer for it. Nor Scarlet, nor Ajax, nor anyone. Well, why do you have to do this? You know why. And nobody else is going to swing on my account. Well, for the record, I actually approve of this sensible course of action. Gwendolyn looked at Robin, who nodded bravely and decisively, and hoped she could exhibit this outer strength over the coming weeks and months and years of her long, long life. Viola left them a final moment to themselves and joined Mortimer in the kitchen, who glanced at the Duarte's little shaking hands, and then up the stairs behind her. I smell magic. I had to lay out the acid. Oberon. I had to lay out Oberon. 
to keep him out of this. Mortimer nodded slowly, her face a mask of concern. She leaned back against the counter, and her coat draped aside, revealing her holstered pistol. Do I have to worry about you screwing up this deal, little one? Viola controlled her breathing and searched herself for some strength. She popped a piece of toffee into her mouth and glanced up. Not in the slightest. What I want most in the world is for Gwen and I to be back at Buckingham Palace. Safe and sound. Really? The rogue's life doesn't appeal to you? I'm a jester. Yes, you are. Viola's guts twisted up, and she fiercely fought to maintain control of her face, her body, and what was behind these feelings of everything being so very wrong. Gwendolyn stood before Robin in the dusty upstairs hall, uncertain of how to say goodbye to him or whether she was capable of doing so at all. Listen, I have one thing to say then I want to get said. I have acquired a reputation in recent years for being something of a ladies' man. That I had heard. I want you... I need you to know that on that first night while I was dabbling in flirtations, I was genuinely very much enamored of you. But over the days that followed, that turned into something more. And when we, when we were together last night and this morning, what I'm attempting very poorly to say is that you were never a prize. Robin, I am betrothed to Lord Aaron. On Sunday night, he was to make me a woman, as is tradition. At some point, I decided firmly and clearly that I wanted to make that journey with you instead. This was my choice. You were my choice. And I don't... The fact that we won't... I shall miss you, Robin. I shall miss you too. But you know, this is fine. We had an exciting week for both of us to remember. And you got that holiday you wanted. I should have liked to take you to the French Riviera. It's going to be a lot nicer once all the monsters have gone. Oh, it sounds enchanting. Oh, it is. I, I mean, I hear it was. I've never been off this island in any dimension. Then we shall agree to meet there together. Someday. Agreed. Ah... Uh... Keep an eye on what I'm doing. I will. Try not to steal away any more girls. We don't like it. It's creepy. I'll never steal another. She laced her fingers into his and kissed the top of his head. A fine thief you turned out to be.
Less than an hour later, she and Viola stood before the gates of Buckingham Palace as they were hastily opened. Mortimer had taken up the head of the triangle between the princess and the dwarf as they marched purposefully back. But as they crossed into the courtyard, Gwen sidestepped and quickened her stride to take a place in the center. The Archduke approached, his gray eyes wide and blinking in the sunset. He stopped before her, and she knelt to embrace him in his hard-edged armor. His broad hand caressed her head. You are home, child. Back in her room, Gwendolyn sank down on the bed, as a flurry of medical professionals, courtiers in attendance, moved about her, undressing, checking every inch of her body. Gwendolyn stared at the ceiling the whole ordeal, as Viola, in a separate room, underwent similar scrutiny and cleansing. Her skin was scrubbed clean, anointed with oils, and her physical aches were massaged out of her. The traces of the outside world were washed away. She could no longer smell him around her. Gwen fixed instead on Robin's face throughout, swearing to herself to keep those eyes in her mind, something to call upon in the future when the world was unbearable, when she was not called upon to speak but simply look pretty, when Lord Aaron was pressing himself down upon her. Eventually, she was left alone to rest for the big day. After some hours, Viola entered her bedroom. Vi, I'm... I'm permitted to stay as your companion. For the time being. And after the wedding? I don't know. Coriolanus thanks me for keeping you safe. He's just finished dealing with the bounty hunter. Vi, be absolutely as honest with me as you can find it within yourself to be. Did we do the right thing? I... I think we did the right thing. For England. So, from this day forth, I am to close my eyes and think of England. It would appear so, my darling. Across London, some hours later, Robin stood in an alley not far from Mortimer's house. He chewed his lip and drummed his feet. He could see Gwendolyn's face so clearly. That sad, hopeful strength he intended to project to the people he helped in the coming weeks and months of what was very likely to be a short life. He spied the familiar lithe figure of Mortimer stalking towards him, carrying a small chest, and began to wonder how he could get it all the way back to Fulham without attracting attention. He did not see her face in the shadows before he heard the clanking of the watchmen. There was a brief second while he weighed up his odds. They were behind him, at the other end of the alley. 
Could they just be patrolling the street? No. Too many. And behind Mortimer as she turned, more of them. He was boxed in. Robin sprang up against the right-hand wall, rebounded to the left, and careened upwards, zigzagging as a roar went out to open fire. The alleyway filled with flame, and as he reached for the rooftops, Robin heard Mortimer shout out, Not to burn her. His fingers found the edge of the roof, and he scrambled up to freedom, only to be confronted by a consortium of roof-bound watchmen, lightly armored for stealth, who grabbed his arms and hauled him up, holding daggers to his neck. It was all Robin could do to grimace a smile through the sudden bolts of fear shooting through him. I'm just walking home from work, officers. Is there something I can help you with? Shut up! You're not getting away this time. Getting away? Just what am I being charged with here? Captain Baltus strode across the roof towards the point Robin of Loxley stood pinned. He held up a wanted poster next to Robin's face. The illustration was an alarmingly good match. Let's start with robbery, burglary, and evasion. Then add kidnapping, conspiracy, and treason. have been listening to The Princess Thieves, written, edited, and produced by Alex Shaw, with a full cast. To all my white scarves out there, every single person that listens to this show, you're some of the most awesome people in the world, and you know it's true, because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this right now. And I'm willing to bet that you have a friend who is equally awesome, and would get a massive kick out of The Princess Thieves. So get them to download the first few episodes right now. Get them talking to you about it. Get other people involved. Listen at work. I'm told it helps productivity. Bottom line, we all need hope and feeling a little bit more connected during our darkest hours if we're going to get through 2017 together. The New Century Multiverse is fueled by these concepts. So share it. Because the more it's discussed, the more it's on different people's minds, the more real the more tangible it becomes. The players for this episode were Princess Gwendolyn, performed by Theo Lee, Viola, performed by Loretta Saylor, Mortimer and Scarlet, performed by Sharon Shaw, Old Meg, performed by Maureen Foley, Oberon, performed by Matt Wardle, Robin and Coriolanus, performed by Alex Shaw, Captain Baltus, performed by Spencer Lieb, and The Watchman was performed by Matt Ramsey. The Princess Thieves theme was Arrival by I. Sazanoff of Shockwave Sound. There is Romance, Mesmerize, Stormfront, and Angevin, composed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes provided by Tabletop Audio and ASMR Rooms. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon, and our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you to Aaron Lecluse. Abel Savard, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, 
Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salgueiro, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Tima Hellas Hario, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. And next week, something pretty big. Thank you.